Well, hey there, freaks. It's your boy Marty Ben here to introduce this week's episode of Tales from the Crypt with Trace Mayer, an incredible Bitcoiner. Uh, had an incredible time. Met him in Soho. We sat down, talked about uh, what's going on in Wyoming and the new laws being made there. Uh, the, we gave a little update on the seven network effects of Bitcoin. Uh, we also talked about the uh, importance of, of Bitcoin's assurances, particularly when it comes to freedom. Uh, speech and, and the power to empower individuals. Um, this episode of Tales from the Crypt is brought to you by our friends at Casa. Freaks, how confident are you in your key security? Does your key setup have a single point of failure? How protected are your seed phrases? How protected are your keys from disasters, physical attacks, and yourself, most importantly yourself? Our friends at Casa have drummed up one of the smartest and most secure ways to hold your Bitcoin. No KYC, no altcoins, no percentage fees on your Bitcoin, no standing between you and your keys. No one's standing between you and your keys, excuse me. Use the promo code TFTC to get up to $250 off your Casa membership or hit up their team directly at membership at team.casa for a free demo or to put them to the test with your hardest offset questions. You can email them directly or go check out their packages at uh, keys.casa slash keymaster. All memberships come with a full set of hardware wallets, for your multi-sig plus Casa full node and Faraday bags, uh, you're going to get first access to any future Casa products. Uh, and then on top of that, if you're in the diamond uh, and platinum packages, you're going to get 24-7 VIP service, a custom onboarding and OPSEC plan. Um, so go check them out. Use the code TFTC up to $250 off um, Casa. Go check them out. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is also brought to you by the Cash App. As you know, the Cash App is the simplest way to spend. Spend. You can spend money on it, but you can also send money on it and save money. And now it's the simplest way for you to try to grow your money. Introducing Cash App Invest. We can now uh, stack slivers of shares by the Seychelles. Unlike investing tools that only let you buy entire shares of the stock, Cash App lets you instantly invest in as little or as much as you want. This way, when your favorite company's stock is is just a little bit too expensive for you, for you to buy a whole stock, you can buy a little sliver of that share, as little as a dollar. And because Cash App is directly connected to your bank account, there are no four to five day waiting periods for inbound transfers, so you can start investing today. Brokerage services are provided by Cash App Investing, a subsidiary of Square and member SIPC. And of course, you can do all the great things with Bitcoin. You can still stack sats on the app. They actually just updated the UI with the new stack functionality, and it's actually much better experience you can see your your buys and your sells how many how much sats you've been stacking throughout time and uh it really drives home the ethos of stacking sacks being able to see all the sats that you stack throughout the years on the cash app so as always when you sign up use the code stacking sats that's one word stacking sats you're going to get ten dollars when you sign up and the cash app is going to send ten dollars to owls lacrosse <laughs> Not that dirtbag owls organization. Owls, O-W-L-S, lacrosse, is going to get $10. Um, so use the code stacking sats. Download the Cash App today from the App Store or the Google Google or the Google Store Play. Google Google Store Play. No, it's the Google Play Store. All right. Uh, end in the week uh, with a little, of, uh, little bit of word mush here. Hope you freaks enjoy this episode with Trace Mayer, epic Bitcoiner. We had a great time. Uh, I think you guys are going to like it. From the 
What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here in a very foreign studio, uh, somewhere in New York, an undisclosed location, sitting down with a man who needs no introduction. This is a long time coming. I'd like to introduce you, freaks, to Trace Mayer. Trace, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for coming, man. It's uh, it's incredible to see how open you are, how how quickly you were able to throw this interview together on quick notice, and how uh, hospitable hospitable you are. Uh, thank you for having me in. Well, you, you, you made the effort uh, coming over here, short notice. But yeah, get it done. I mean, it's, it's very important what we do in the, this battlefield of the marketplace of ideas. And, you know, it's very important for us to help perpetuate the, the ethos of sovereign money, monetary sovereignty. So uh, thanks for everything you do with that. Oh, well, I, uh, it's humbling coming from you. Thank you for everything you've done. If you freaks haven't checked it out yet, go check out the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, one of the uh, the greatest resources in the space uh, and helped me out a lot as I was getting my bearings in this space. Um, and we have a lot to catch up on. We we're just going not to catch up on to talk about. We were just going through the topics that we could talk about. You were at a conference this week. There's a lot going on in Wyoming. We have a proof of keys initiative in the works right now. Um, let's start with proof of keys. And I think that was a, uh, an important pre-interview uh, note that you mentioned that it's not, uh, it's not a, it's more about the individual, right? And it's about, taking control of your human capital as you said yeah you know we so many people get get distracted and focus on things that are outside of them and outside of their control i mean think about it some people think that they can control the weather on this planet i mean how deluded is that they can't even control their own mind like and they think they're going to control like the weather and like save the planet or whatever um i mean sure we can make a difference and you shouldn't abuse nature because you're going to pay the price if you do but like control yourself you know, first. And, you know, so we look at the Bitcoin ecosystem, we look at the crypto ecosystem, we have bad players. Mt. Gox, uh, last year, Quadriga CX got decapitated by proof of keys. Um, last week, Einstein, was it? Yeah, mm-hmm. Einstein, a Canadian, another Canadian player, uh, mm-hmm. had $13 million or $60 million or whatever. Um, you know, everybody, like, trust but verify and proof of keys you know this is a this is a way that we can just individually develop our own human capital participate in the ethos of bitcoin monetary sovereignty uh running a full node holding your own private keys withdrawing all of your bitcoins yourself i mean satoshi gave us a great gift you know and the technology got it out there you know on january 3rd 2009 for monetary sovereignty, everybody being able to run a full node, verifying all the transactions, immutability, provable scarcity, holding your own private keys, uh, being able to transfer value over communications channel. That's a great gift. You know, the technology got it out there, but political will is what keeps it there. And in order for the political will to be there, you gotta, you gotta like flex those muscles sometimes. And so why don't we as a community just celebrate the gift that we have and flex the muscles and withdraw all of our crypto, Bitcoin, Litecoins, whatever, whatever thing you got, withdraw it all to a wallet where you control it and run your own full node. I mean, it's really simple. It doesn't cost anything, uh, maybe a couple bucks, right? And yet you can learn so much from the exercise. You learn how to run your own nodes. You learn how to secure your own keys. You learn how to do transactions. 
I mean, there are a lot of new people in the space. Like, how many transactions have they sent? You ever sent a transaction where you've run your own full node? You ever received a transaction where you've run your own full node to validate that? You know, so it's a learning experience. And in that process, you develop human capital. You get more comfortable with the asset class. You have more confidence in it. You have more confidence in yourself and your ability to interact with it. Like, where's the downside? You know, and if we are all doing it on January 3rd, we get to talk about it. We get to help new people. We get to point them to resources like Glacier Protocol or SmartCustody.com. You know, I have, a, I have a lot of these things on ProofofKeys.com, you know, to help people kind of know what they need to do and how to do it and be safe and secure and all this stuff. But, you know, it's an internal thing. Like, you think you're a Bitcoiner? Like, you know, a real Bitcoiner has run his own full node and holds their own private keys. Otherwise, that's how you're a first-class citizen in Bitcoin Nation. You start moving out of that, you're, you can get taken for a ride. You know, you can totally get taken for a ride because somebody else is running the node. Someone else is holding the keys. Trace, you're demanding extreme ownership. Can, well, can, can that exist in today's day and age? So the concept of human capital, let's dive more into that. Like what's behind it? How should people benchmark against it and, and work towards an ideal? Yeah, I mean, we, we live in a phenomenal day and age. You can literally do or be anything you want to do or be and it doesn't matter what your skin color is or your gender it doesn't really even matter where you were born because you know the internet and and the ability to travel and all of this stuff like you you get to choose you know so so what you gonna do you gonna choose happiness you're going to just be miserable. Like you get to choose your thoughts. You get to choose what you do. You get to choose all of this stuff. You know, so many people, they whine and complain, the drudgery, going to work, stuck in traffic. They don't like what they're doing. Wah, 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 wah. Like you chose it. You chose it. You know, every, everybody, like we, we've never, like in all of human history, we've never really had this type of just freedom. What do we do with it? You know, and if you choose to not be running your own full node and not be holding your own private keys, you're choosing to not be monetarily sovereign, right? Like you're choosing to be a slave, you know, because like a master-slave relationship, you're relying on someone else's full node. Relying on you're letting someone else hold private keys. Mm -hmm. Like it's a master-slave relationship like that's how we describe it in terms of computers and servers and stuff, right? Like, so, I mean, you can choose to be a slave or you can choose to be a first class monetary sovereignty Bitcoin citizen or second class or third class. You know, we, we have different gradations and you get to choose which one you want to be. So, you know, this is very much an internal uh, form of human action. And, and what you're choosing, you know, what you think about, what you have strong feelings about, you know, your actions, your choices, these all have consequences. Having freedom is a consequence, right? Of action taken, correct? Yeah, you got to take action. Yeah. You know, and you, we have all the opportunity to do it. You know, happiness is also a consequence, 
you know, you want a flower? You are in control of your own happiness. That's one of my favorite quotes my dad's told me in my life. Yeah, I mean, for real. Like, yeah. you know, people want to, oh, I'm unhappy because of, and it's always something outside of them. And, I mean, if you want flowers, it's about soil and manure and fertilizer and shovels and stuff. And the consequence is a flower. I was actually talking about this with Dan Tapiero uh, yesterday. Uh, it's interesting how uh, a lot of people in the U.S. in particular view Bitcoin, considering I would consider it uh, the white paper and the source code implementation on par with the Declaration of Independence. Like Bitcoin as a technology is something that is American at its essence. That's freedom, liberty, and yet there's a lot of pushback here, which is interesting. Yeah, I was talking with, uh, with some people a couple of days ago on this very topic. Uh, you know, and I mean, they're... They're immigrants to America. Their parents literally like fled with the shirt on their back. Uh, you know, when they were little kids came over like boat people. Right. And, uh, you know, and now they're, you know, they've, they've really claimed a lot of that monetary sovereignty. They're multimillionaires. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about this and just, you know, we're taking America into cypherspace. Like that's what we're doing. Right. Like the idea of America, the idea of the Declaration of Independence, the, the, the implementation through the Constitution, and some of your most important clauses in the Constitution are the monetary clauses. Because gold and silver, they're not just barbarous relics, but they're essential checks and balances in the political machinery. They belong in the same class as constitutions and bills of right, as Mises says, because they protect against despotic inroads on the part of governments. They protect you from having your wealth siphoned off through inflation, which is a form of taxation without representation or due process of law. When, when unelected bureaucrats, monetary elites at the Federal Reserve are able to confiscate wealth that way, they circumvent the, the checks and balances of how Congress, who has power over the purse, is supposed to be able to get these revenues. So, I mean, all like this is such an American idea, you know, people, it's freedom of speech, you know, cryptography is speech as the U.S. Supreme Court has held, um, freedom of association, freedom of contract, uh, private keys, you know, criminal procedure, no, no, you know, I mean, fourth, fifth and sixth amendments, rights against seizures, encryption, I mean, all of this stuff like is just so American, you know, and so like, what, what you going to do, you know, are you going to, are you going to, are you going to like claim your monetary sovereignty, hold your own private keys, run your own full node? That's how you fight the war today. You don't have, you don't like, you got all these people running around, like picking up tear gas stuff in Hong Kong or Venezuela or like all of these political protests across the planet. And yet they don't protest with the thing that has the most power to protest with. It wasn't the marches that changed the civil rights for black people in America. It was the protests with people like Rosa Parks. That's how Martin Luther King primarily strategized was the protest, the bus protests. Mm -hmm. You know, like, why are you feeding your oppressor? Like, take those resources in and starve them to death. 
you have like, the ability to know. like you have the ability to do that for real yeah. like you know so you're gonna whine and complain about the political process but you're not gonna you're not gonna vote with your money like wow well can you blame people too? Do you think they've been lulled into a false sense of security? Uh, and I think there may be a concerted effort not to educate people about how the monetary system works and maybe they don't even know how they can fix their problem more. Oh, that's, that's, that's definitely a problem. And why, you know, when I'm saying like you're stepping onto the battlefield of ideas and it's important, like there's only one profession that is protected in the U.S. Constitution the freedom of the press because ideas can only be overcome by other ideas. Power and force are impotent against the power of ideas. So, I mean, of course, like, you know, that's always been the totalitarian's resort. Silence the truth teller, you know, stick Galileo on house arrest. I mean, but you know, you build, you build this tube with some glass in it and you're like, Hey, look in here. Whoa. whoa, What's up there? I mean, (laughs) like Bitcoin is that, you know, you like, we now like, this is science and this is math, like applied cryptography, applied financial cryptography. That's what we're doing here. And it, what it yields for us is it yields a tool that is just so powerful and so force multi like it's such a force multiplier um and it and like it's, it's so important too like so this morning in marty's ben i wrote about the effects of inflationary policy on family formation and yeah. stuff like that so not only should we be fighting this for freedom but like literally the, the fabric of society depends on the ability to accumulate and save capital over time and we've seen over the last five decades uh single worker homes go to double worker homes go to go to one go to both parents working two jobs uh not everywhere but again birth rates are going down people are delaying family formation and uh a lot of people would point at debt accumulation and the incentives that our system uh currently incentivizes yeah there was recently an article on mises on the, That's on what the I same about. topic yeah. right and you know, the truth of the matter is, is like individuals, communities, and nations that attack or otherwise set up incentives that attack the institution of the family, they will pay the price because the family is the natural order of things. And that's how, I mean, you know, a lot of the, a lot of, a lot of women think like, oh, like I want to go become a whatever at a wherever, you know, managing director at Goldman Sachs. They think that's important, like some title, something outside of themselves. I mean, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Like there is no more important and fundamentally rewarding uh, activity that one can be engaged in than, you know, motherhood and fatherhood. And which is why we're all here. I mean, <laughs> that's how we got here, right? Yeah. Like 8 billion of us, 7 billion of us or 8 billion of us. And, you know, fiat money, fiat families, sound money, sound families. And like the disintegration of the family worldwide 
across socioeconomic classes as well. Like, we're like, how happy are you guys? Like, right? <laughs> I mean, for real. Like, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you have if you're not happy. Like, you know, and, and more money, more problems. And so, you know, it, fiat, like Safedine writes in the Bitcoin standard, you got fiat money, you get fiat food, you get fiat art, you get, you get all of these negative consequences to society because at the end of the day, you're not respecting property rights, which is uh, how we, it's the fruits of our labor from what we chose in the past, you know, which, you know, you, you need to have agency in the present. So no habeas, you know, habeas corpus is, uh, protects that. You shouldn't be murdering people. You know, that's right to life. That's our agency in the future. And, you know, Mises talks about the creative genius where you're doing the work because it's intrinsically fulfilling, not necessarily to like make some money out of it. Right. And, you know, what, what other occupation or activity can you be engaged in where you're going to be able to be doing this creative genius type of work that is just intrinsically fulfilling than the institution of the family. And, and so, yeah, I mean, people just, they just get so distracted and confused. They think that like their little dog is their kid. <laughs> For real. Like, I actually had a conversation about this yesterday, this exact topic. Uh, a friend of mine was walking down the street, and then a woman was walking two dogs, and uh, one of them was taking up most of the sidewalk, and uh, a man in front of her, him asked her if, if she could move the dog, and she immediately freaked out like he was attacking the dog. Got triggered. Yeah. Or whatever. Those were her quote-unquote kids. Um, yeah, no, those are dogs. <laughs> <laughs> those aren't humans. Humans have the capacity for emotion and feeling, and they have the capacity for thought and reason. And that's what distinguishes a human or a human type of mind from an animal. Well, and this is, I mean, this is probably the third episode in a row I brought up Kanye, but uh, it's funny, his, his latest... Well, I don't know, I haven't followed his, his latest album. Well, he's sort of turning his back on the culture, and it's, it's funny, we talk about these family values and what does the culture... Um, brings up the question what is the culture and what values is culture ex- expounding on, on on society today and if you look at music and pop culture in particular my people my age and uh below and you're incentivized to go fuck as many bitches as possible hit tinder as hard as possible and all the music's about perks and stuff like that and you, you really think that's going to bring you happiness i don't certainly not no i mean even it's a rhetorical question of the person on the other side of the interview, right? That's yeah. like listening to that. Like, what do you think's really going to bring happiness? You know, in, in happiness, you want the flower? You got to, it's about soil. It's about manure. It's about like weeding the garden. Like the consequence is the flower, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you're the, 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 the way the human mind is structured like the highest form of that intrinsic reward for the creative genius is going to be in that institution between a male and a female. That's just the, that's how the, the physics of the human mind are structured. Uh, and you know, you, you can, you can have a black lab 
and like paint it white. It doesn't make it a Dalmatian <laughs> for real. <laughs> like you're just going to wreck yourself. And, uh, and so, you know, I think a lot of people just get themselves very confused. Uh, they're, they're making choices that make them miserable. Misery loves company. So they all get together, have their own echo chamber. You'll notice that, you know, when you start to change your life and live a better life, you will, you will no longer, uh, be associating with people that were living a previous type of life. Have you experienced this yourself? Yeah, you, a little bit, I suppose, you know, I mean, just as you go through life and you, you have different friends come into your life and different friends kind of fade away. Um, you know, we gravitate naturally towards people who have things in common with us where we, where we love the same thing. Um, you know, we just naturally segregate ourselves, you know, go look at meetup. You got meetup groups for people with Boston Terriers and German shepherds and cats and parrots and like everybody's got different things that they love and that's how you, you end up segregating yourself. And so, um, as you begin to try and change those things that you love and value and how you're allocating your time and your attention and your emotional energy, um, you're going to naturally start changing the communities of people that you're interacting with. Yeah, no, it's, it's powerful. And you're somebody who's actively trying to change our reality via Bitcoin. You're hard at work in Wyoming in particular. I think this is a great segue to what you guys are doing in Wyoming. You have to, uh, put yourself forward and act. And it seems like Wyoming is, uh, the ground zero for Bitcoin action in American law right now. Oh yeah. I mean, what we're doing in Wyoming is a huge deal. I mean, this is a special purpose depository bank. <laughs> like, so what does like this it's mean? A, it's a bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's a big deal regulated by the banking commissioner. Well, first we started with a massive jurisdictional land grab, uh, with property rights defining property rights for digital assets, you know, so that sets up potential constitutional challenges that the feds try to like do something different because states are in charge of property rights, not the fed. They can deal with copyrights and patents, but not with, not with this stuff. And, uh, yeah, so we, we, you know, we started there. We've, uh, we got a bank to like custody this type of property. So special purpose repository. Depository. Depository. Repository. Yeah. Depository. Yeah, it's not a GitHub repo. No, it's a depository. So what does that mean? Is it special? Uh, So they hold, they they can take deposits, but they can't lend. Okay. So it's 100% bailment. You know, they'll custody the digital assets. Mm Mm-hmm. And then once, you know, once there, once we have custodianship like this built on a solid legal protocol, solid legal foundation, uh, then, you know, we're able to have like pension money come into the space, you know, we're able to have funds and big institutions. So, you know, this is all prerequisite for that type of, uh, for that type of activity and yeah, and being a full fledged bank. I mean, that comes with all the rights and benefits that attach to being a bank. And so when you're trying to get the, this legal structure set in order, this base set in order, um, how are you, are you trying to make the attack surface as small as possible? How are you thinking about the precedent that you guys are setting with these laws? Yeah. So, I mean, we, one of the bills actually sets up a chancery court for uh, digital asset disputes, mm-hmm. you know, so we'll be, you know, in terms of precedent like you know just like delaware has a lot of uh precedent for corporate law 
we'd have the same type of thing going on in Wyoming with blockchain law, right? Um, yeah, the, the bills all really dovetail in on each other. Uh, we passed five last year, eight this year, another five just passed committee, and hopefully it'll get passed in uh, the next legislative session, early 2020. So that'll be 18 laws total that, that, that are now, that, that are all working in harmony with each other. And there's like a, like a innovation sandbox, you know, so that you can do a startup without having to worry about filling out a 3,500 page fit license application. Uh, one of them is going to be code is speech. And so no criminal prosecution for writing code. That's huge. I mean, that's going to be a nice safe haven, uh, which, you know, that's one of the things I really wanted because one of my friends who's Bitcoin core developer, you know, back when Bitcoin back in like t early 2011, he put $500,000 into a client trust account with an attorney. So that just in case, like you were to get prosecuted future. for contributing to Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin core, Bitcoin QT at the time. Right. So there's a lot of opportunity costs there for him. Uh, what, uh, what precedent does the, the nineties, um, PGP war, um, precedent have? Yeah. I mean, that helps a ton too, because, uh, it establishes cryptography as freedom of speech. And so, you know, that's, that's very helpful, protected by first amendment. Uh, used to be illegal to export cryptography under the munitions act. Um, you know, imagine if we imagine if GitHub had to take down the repo, you know, or well, or things start, like this. They're starting right? to do that for certain for certain for countries. certain countries, yeah. yeah. Which you know, maybe we need to be moving things to something a little bit more reliable. I think people um, are talking about that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, GitLab or some you know various things. But um, yeah, the another another one of the laws. So we're gonna be basically repealing a bunch of money transmission laws not all of them we wanted to do all of them but you know take as much territory as you can reasonably be taking right uh, another one's a digital asset amendment so it's gonna it's basically a cleanup bill for the previous bills that we've passed you know because you get this stuff passed but maybe they're it doesn't work exactly as intended and you had more eyes looking at it and seeing how it would work. So yeah, let's like clean it up a little bit. Right. The law is kind of like writing code. It's just legal code. <laughs> right. Um, there's a, another one of the, the bills would be a SBDI, uh, amendment for retail. So that would be good. Um, no, we talked about no, no criminal prosecution just for writing code. And then another one that I, I really wanted is, no compelled disclosure of private keys in a civil administrative or legislative proceeding. So, uh, and we, we wanted to have even judicial, but one of the senators made us kind of carve out criminal prosecutions could require the compelling of a private key, but that's kind of the only, only exception area. So if we can get that passed, I think that would be really good. Um, because with hierarchical deterministic wallets, if you have a if you have a child private key and a and a parent public key, you can derive like parent private keys. Right. So I mean that could just create a huge disaster for custodians if they're having to disclose private keys. Um, that's not to say that a court couldn't order 
you to transfer your, the Bitcoin. They just couldn't require you to disclose the private key. It's probably good for civil asset forfeiture too, I would imagine. Um, uh, yeah, I mean... It, as a protection against it. Yeah, it helps, helps as a protection. Yeah. I, you don't necessarily want to get in a situation where you're like, well, I lost it in a boating accident, you know, because... <laughs> the judge doesn't believe you you might have a problem on your hands um but yeah especially under like 526 of the bankruptcy code you know that that could be a real problem why is that well you could be held in civil contempt okay and so he could throw you in the pokey indefinitely not able to challenge your detention if he thinks you have the keys um yeah so like craig wright for example i mean there's a judgment against him and he represented that he had the funds. So they entered into settlement negotiations and then he comes and says, Oh, I lost him in a boating accident. Like if the judge, like if he tries to declare bankruptcy, can hold him in contempt or yeah, the judge might, because the judge might be like, you know what? You, you said you had these keys. You represented yourself as Satoshi and that you represented yourself as having these keys. You entered into settlement negotiations and now you're saying you don't have them? Well, I don't believe you. So I'm going to hold you in contempt of court, put you in jail until you move the Bitcoin. <laughs> so Craig Wright may possibly sit in jail forever. Yeah, I mean, we have precedent for this. With the, there, the, the real dangerous nexus here are the offshore asset protection trust cases. And so like there was one case uh, where the person created an offshore trust and wired the money into it to get away from a creditor, a fraudulent conveyance. And the judge was like, well, tell the trustee to wire the money back. And he was like, well, I don't have any powers over the trustee. And the, and the judge was like, well, I don't believe you. So he held him in civil contempt, put him in jail. And eventually a new judge got assigned to the case and let him out of jail 14 years later. Oh my gosh. So he didn't give in. He didn't move the money over 14 years. Maybe maybe he really didn't have the power to. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he just really didn't like the ex-wife uh, right. or whoever the other side of the, the case was. But, uh, you know, that's kind of scary. Right. Scary. Um, so are you looking at this Wyoming legal framework as something that can be form-fit across states across the country? Well, are you going to get the political will in all of these states to pass bills like this? I mean, some states have already copied and passed a bill here or a bill there, but none have like passed the comprehensive set. And and it's really it's going to take a lot to get some of these states there. Uh, it was hard to get Wyoming there, and Wyoming really wants this type of stuff. You know, the the banking lobby is very strong in a lot of these states. The Uniform uh, Law Commission, the Uniform Commercial Code, because we're dealing with, like, right, property rights and definitions of that and, like, all types of stuff. So, um, you know, finding that political will might be difficult, let alone, like, it's already passed in Wyoming. Why don't you just go set up shop there? Yeah. So I mean, a, you're a bank, you're a bank and you like banks can do interstate banking. So how do you, how do you envision, uh, if these laws are passed, Wyoming, a Bitcoin blockchain world, uh, blossoming in Wyoming? Yeah, that's the, that's the hope, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 
Caitlin was at the football game and saw the governor a couple of days ago, and he was like, "Where are my applications?" <laughs> you know, so the governor's like, I, "I want, you know, I want the the kraken, the mighty krakens of the world, and the Coinbase's and the, you know, the the other companies to be filing these applications for Speedy Banks. Uh, he wants them, you know, and the banking commissioner wants them, and the legislature wants them. Like they want jobs to come to Wyoming." With these things. What kind of advantage could this afford Wyoming if they're the first to do it? Oh, I mean, you're you're on the forefront of this just global changing technology. Uh, you know, Wyoming already wants to compete with uh, LLCs and corporate formations and trusts and stuff like that. So, you know, being able to weave all of this stuff in with the Secretary of State and business entities, you know, they're, they're competing with... Delaware and uh, in Nevada, right? And so, you know, having this type of legal uh, landscape in place just helps them be a much more competitive jurisdiction in a lot of those regards. You know, and and costs are going to be tremendously lower for institutions that come to Wyoming. Uh, in a lot of cases, you're like Delaware or California. You know, you're you're paying income tax, you're paying franchise taxes, you're paying you, you might, if you're a crypto exchange, you might be paying taxes on the total amount of customer assets you're holding. You know, and Wyoming's going to be drastically, drastically lower uh, in terms of overall tax burden, yeah. um, you know, for, for companies to move over there. And yet with Commerce Clause under the U.S. Constitution and some of the acts that Congress has passed, uh, you'll still be able to service customers outside of Wyoming. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're doing it all right and correct so so are people going to be uh dismayed that they've gone all the way through the bit license process only to find that uh they should have domiciled in wyoming well in their defense it wyoming didn't exist yeah when they like the bit license came out but it's like it's kind of just a hodgepodge like duct tape together right like this is this is statute that's been enacted by a legislature and signed by a governor. It's not just like administrative rules or something. It's not the Department of Finance, just yeah, the DFS. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is like this is signed by the governor into law after being passed by both houses in Wyoming. Eighteen, you know, thirteen bills so far. Another five coming up. They all dovetail together. You know, and. The governor is the commander in chief of Wyoming. Like he's Wyoming is a sovereign entity, just like the U.S. government is, or just like California is, or just like Germany is. So I mean, this is this is serious like legislation. Would you ever imagine this happening this fast five years ago? No, um, no, not really. I mean, the speed at which this industry is moving is just unbelievable. Yeah, that's why I think it's a good time to segue into the update on the uh, seven network effects. And oh yeah, I I know a thing or two about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, so what do you like? We've are we still have been like in a bear market, if you will. We still haven't reached last all time highs for a while, but it seems like we have four year cycles, right? Yeah. Plan B's. <laughs> How is this cycle compared to the last one? Uh, bear market of twenty. Uh, 18, 2019 to 2015, 20, 2014, 2016. Yeah, I mean, the, the previous one was just brutal. Um, 
like a Kraken, you know, we, I, uh, Hummingbird and I led that round in early 2014. We lay, Jesse had to lay off like 65% of the staff. So he was down to like 10 or 12 employees or something like that. And then Hummingbird and I didn't, did, and some other investors like funded a, an extension round. They kept cracking alive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God they're thriving yeah. right now. It seems what's that. So they're thriving right now. It's the mighty Kraken. Yeah. I mean, got like 800 employees or something like that. Uh, and have a pot and, and even in the bear market, they've had a, a significant operating margin, you know, making money cash flow positive in the bear market, like totally different. Um, the infrastructure companies, you know, the industry as a whole, the strength, the cash that's flowing, the, the GDP of the, uh, crypto economy, uh, just the amount of wealth that's in it, the security of the network, uh, look at the hash rate. Like, I mean, we're just way, way, way far ahead. You were mentioning at the conference that you went to yesterday, they were saying a hundred billion, hundred billion notional. No, no, that this was a, this was a capstone. They, they did a conference for a bunch of like macro mm-hmm. uh, people in New York. So like Goldman and Morgan and, uh, a bunch of funds and stuff were there. Uh, but they were, someone was taught, gave a presentation on the derivatives market and there was a, there's about a billion dollars a month of notional, uh, happening in the derivatives markets. So the puts and calls, mm-hmm. not necessarily swaps like BitMax, but like puts and calls. And so, yeah, I mean, it's all getting built out, you know, Be, like we have, we have bit licenses, we have speedy banks we have you know they're going to start getting approved and licenses we've got yeah so if we want to go down the network effects you know first network effect of speculation you need you need uh the ability to custody bitcoins you know previously that that's why i funded armory right i mean now we've got we've got speedy banks like (laughs) like fidelity can custody like legally with a, with a, an ERISA fiduciary can custody with, with one of these speedy banks. Um, you know, that's huge. Just a, such a huge difference. You know, it puts the asset class in play, uh, after you custodian, like we need exchanges, you know, it used to be Mount Gox and then, you know, Kraken almost died in the last bear market. What exchanges do we have now? Cra- the mighty Kraken's like crushing it. Coinbase is crushing it. Uh, we got hundreds of exchanges that do a billion a month of volume or more, uh, whether they're all coin exchanges or just across the board. We got, we have all these different exchanges that cater to, to different markets like BTC Turk in Turkey or Australia or wherever we've got OTC is huge. Um, you know, Kraken's OTC desk is one of the largest that they, they seem to be out competing like, yeah, the Cumberlands or the circles or whatever, taking business from them. So that's getting highly competitive. Uh, the, the OTC desk, we, we have market makers and algorithmic trading and, uh, arbitraging that's happening across the industry. We have volumes happening on lots and lots of different exchanges. It's not like we just have one exchange, you know, we got lots of them. Uh, and then we got derivatives exchanges. We've got backed and we've got BitMEX and we've got ledger X and we've got, Eris exchange and like 
you know, there's just so much more infrastructure built, you know? And so this is all first network effect stuff. Yeah. We're going to have, that's what I'm interested to see next bull run. Are we going to have uh, Coinbase not being functional when people are trying to buy? Like, I, I think I can see there being so many on and off ramps now that that, that might be mitigated. Yeah. What difference is it going to make? Like yeah. you got square app, right? Mm-hmm. And square apps, I mean, square apps taking down 11% of, the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin block rewards every quarter, every quarter. I mean, that's how much they're selling. Yeah. Right. I mean, like this is this, and then we're going to cut that in half. Like what the happening. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got major players in there now, like square and everything. So yeah, I mean, previously, you know, you get, you get a crazy, you get crazy market momentum and Coinbase and Kraken go down, you know, cause you just can't handle it. Well, guess what? They've all built their systems in the last couple of years. They're ready for a big influx. You know, they, they can probably handle 20, 20x more than what they were able to handle the last cycle. Uh, plus, we've got a lot of other uh, providers out there, too. So the overall capacity of the ecosystem is greatly increased, in my opinion. Do you ever worry that the infrastructure is outpacing the, uh, the protocol or second layers on top of it? Um, I... Not really. I mean, that's fifth network effect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get there okay. eventually. Yeah. Or second network effect. Uh, we saw that in the previous run. You know, transaction fees got pretty expensive. Maybe there was some self-dealing with, with Bitmain or, or other favorite actors in the space, <laughs> right? Um, but look at Lightning Network. It's going on down the road. Uh, I think it's getting a lot more usage. The usage is happening where we can't necessarily observe it because, you know, we have onion routing built in and we have different types of nodes and creative use cases are emerging. Like what's that? Did you see that last week? Yeah. What's that? I, I mean, that's really cool. Imagine if we could have like a decentralized censorship resistant Twitter or type function. Take or, it even further. Alipay WeChat. Like you can. Yeah. Right. You can do everything in a censorship resistant fashion with satellites. Right? All satellites <laughs> are so cool. Um, yeah, so I mean that's second and third network effects of merchants and consumers. Uh, you know, Bact is going to be launching a retail app that uh, starting off with Starbucks, uh, Microsoft. Maybe they'll weave it into Fortnite or something. Well, uh, they have a competitor now with uh, Light Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got all, you got like these uh, these games being built on Lightning Network, and uh, so I mean that's second and third network effects. Fourth network effect of the miners. Uh, I think we're, you know, so there's $3 billion a year of revenue for miners. And so, you know, that's a highly competitive industry. And what have they been doing? They've been uh, rushing to the physical limits on ASICs. And then uh, that gets commoditized out horizontally across lots of different players. So they then the game becomes like the lowest operating costs. And there actually are a ton of steel power, uh, coal power plants in Wyoming that miners are looking at, you know, because because they want to shut these uh, coal power plants down. But the legislators don't want to lose all those jobs. And the miners are like, whoa, we got cheap electricity. Like I can use that <laughs> stuff, um, you know, and then there's like off flaring uh, that, that could be done or like something I'm actually looking at. You would literally have uh, I mean, we could. Like one of the things I'm looking at, we'll be able to deploy millions and millions of ASICs and have 
no operational expenses. How's this? Well, I'm not going to say, but, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, we won't, we won't have rent. We won't have electricity costs, nothing. So interesting. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that'll be really interesting when, you know, when they're, when we're able to be, you know, cause I think this next phase, the, the last, last winter, you know, with the mining, it was, it was rushing to the physical limits of the ASICs. Now that we're kind of there, this next phase of mining, we're rushing to get the lowest operational costs. But, you know, we're going to be finding creative ways to have zero operational costs or maybe even negative operational costs. And so then that's going to introduce a, an entirely different dynamic into the mining industry. Well, oh, go ahead. How does that change the dynamic? The what? How, do, how would that change the dynamic in your opinion? Well, now we have to figure out how to, you know, if it's not like if, if you're operating, like if right now it's all about cost per kilowatt, mm-hmm. right? But what happens when like, it's not a factor, it's zero, like yeah. your, your kilowatts are zero and you don't have any rent expense or facility expense or insurance expense or whatever, like no operational expenses. So then it's just a matter of how many ASIC chips can you ship out? You know, so, and so that's a, just a different, you know, that changes. And, and then I'm very you know, intrigued be, right now. What's that? Very intrigued right now. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about trade seekers on a podcast. That's a great idea, right? <laughs> um, Cut this out if you want to. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's, uh, I, you know, it's a good tease. I think, I think Jihan and Mikri are having a lot of fun together. Well, that's what I was going to say. And maybe I'm just rattling their cage, right? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on there? I have no Jihan, idea. <laughs> Um, went into the company and turned it upside down when McCree was out of town. I have no idea. There's drama in Texas right now. So much drama. It's a confusing ongoing saga. You know, isn't it, gr- isn't it great that like the Bitcoin network just doesn't care? Yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've, uh, labeled Bitmain the Icarus of early Bitcoin too, too <laughs> close to the sun. Nah, that's Ross Albrecht, but <laughs> you think so? <laughs> He's never getting out. You don't think so? He lost his appeal. Yeah. The only way he'll get out is a presidential pardon. Good luck with that. We need to get a Bitcoiner in office. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it might happen someday. You know. Well, um, do you do you subscribe to the sovereign individual thesis that uh, we'll break up into smaller nation states and this? Uh, that sure is what it's looking like right now. You yeah. know, like independence movement in Catalan. Uh, you know. Tim Draper wants to break California up. It's all fun and games while you can print money, you know, but when money gets much harder and sounder and funding all of this stuff uh, gets more difficult, you know, that's when politics like really like gets supercharged. And like last night I was at an event with Mike Novogratz and he was talking about, you know, he was, at Goldman in the late nineties and the two thousands and like globalism's just full steam ahead and like all this stuff. And then, you know, the financial crisis happens and like nationalism flares up and then like Trump punches you in the larynx, you know, and Xi Jinping. And I mean, so, you know, it's all fun and games until the, the money gets tight, you know, and stuff stops working for people. And, 
Globalism hasn't really worked for the American people very well. Uh, it sure worked well for China, you know, but like, you know, Trump's kind of putting an end to that and bringing the money home. And I've been reading a book on bureaucracy by Mises. And the, the big problem that bureaucracies have is the ability to perform economic calculation, to allocate resources. It's the economic calculation problem. And America, better than other places, is able to do economic calculation. Uh, and so, you know, Bitcoin is going to, as, as, we, as we make money much harder and scarcer, and that causes realignments in all types of human action and behavior, America will just like flare up uh, in its dominance because it's going to be able to be doing economic calculation in this process. It's Whereas a, other places are not going to be able to do that as well. Interesting. So we're more agile in your mind. Way more agile. Do you think it's just because it's American values and the idea behind entrepreneurship and stuff? Yeah. Like that? I mean, like my friend that I talked about, his parents like were boat people and refugees. Like everyone in America came here seeking something better. You know, whereas all the other parts of the world, like, you know, people have been there thousands and thousands of years, right? Uh, and they, they have particular cultures and ways of thinking and everything. But Americans, it's the only country that's, like, cohesive around an idea. You know, the Declaration and the Constitution. Um, and you make money a lot harder and tighter, and that's going to just get like taken up a notch. <laughs> right. And it'll actually be interesting. I think is again, analogizing the, the source code and white paper to the declaration of independence. The, the founding fathers fucked up the money not too long after the revolution. Right. And now we could have this revolution with the good money coinciding with it. Right? Well, yeah, the, you had the continental dollar. Um, you had the continental dollar that collapsed. Uh, but that's why they put these clauses into the articles of confederation and then into the constitution. You know, and that's what made America great was the sound money. And so if you really are going to make America great again, you're going to have to use sound money to do that. Yeah. Um, be respectful of your time. We're 50 minutes in, so I guess. Yeah, we got like 20 minutes or yeah. whatever left. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, it's an incredible. I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, we are having fun, aren't we? Free ranging. <laughs> Should we get back to the network effects or you want to harp on America a little bit? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is, you know, we're talking about... Um, we, ju we finished fourth network effects of mining and security. Uh, and fifth network effect is, you know, developers. And I would add accountants, attorneys, legislators, regulators, you know, professionals, really. And that's what we're talking about. Like Wyoming, look at, look at what we're getting done there. You know, look at BitLicense and CFTC. Like the U.S. is, is really, you know, kind of on the forefront of, laying the, the legislative foundation that allows this type of industry to be built on top of it. Plus we have freedom of speech and, and stuff like that in America. Like how, how are you going to be able to peer review code in China? <laughs> Sounds like a great idea to me, right? Right. The great BC way to end up in the, in the gulag. Yeah. The BCEP is going to be completely open source. Don't worry. Um, their new, uh, stable coin, but that, is interesting, right? Like so, um, with 
America being in this position? Like, do you find this Bitcoin in particular as like a national security th- um, <laughs> issue moving forward? It's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's critical for national security because this is the most potent, this is the strongest monetary tool that the human race has ever come up with. Well, we haven't convinced enough people of that yet, have we, Trace? Uh, it's, you know, we got probably 400,000 hodlers of last resort, you know, so that's a good, solid, critical mass. And like in the Bitcoin standard, if you're the last to adopt, whoever whoever's first to adopt the superior monetary tool has a huge competitive advantage over others. So, you know, there we go. <laughs> Um, so this is an issue of national security. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely an issue of national security. Alan Greenspan testified twice before Congress that central banks, plural, stand ready to lease gold in increasing quantities should the price rise. So manipulating the the currencies has always been a major modus operandi of the nation state. And the U.S. government's been engaged in this uh, gold price suppression scheme for decades. You know, if you own a lot of something, why run a cartel to keep its price down? And it's because their power to issue what we use as currency is infinitely more valuable than the price of a portfolio asset. And the rising price of gold shows problems, just like a fever shows that there are problems with the body. And so, you know... Why do they engage in the, the gold price suppression scheme? To suppress the evidence that something's wrong. And now we got negative interest rates well, that, like then, globally. And even more acutely, like the Fed is supposed to be a private entity, uh, apolitical and separate from the government, yet you have Donald Trump tweeting directly at the Fed head to uh, lower interest rates and almost dictate policy via Twitter. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the money is getting politicized. And, you know, Bitcoin... Man, it just got thrown right into the politicization of money with WikiLeaks in its infancy and somehow survived. Right. So, I mean, that's wild. That's actually another question I asked Dan yesterday. I'd be interested to hear hear your thoughts. Like, how much of Bitcoin is a black swan on the monetary or global monetary um, stage? Right. Like, how do you think it's all? I mean, countries like Russia and China have been stockpiling gold for the last two decades. Do you think they had certain plans in place and Bitcoin came to be and might throw a wrench in that plan? Oh, yeah. Bitcoin throws a massive wrench because because the physical gold bullion is the Achilles heel of the gold price suppression scheme. And, you know, okay, so you suppress the price of gold, but there's still a monetary premium embedded in the gold price. And once the Chinese and Russians like figure out the game, of course they're going to start stockpiling the physical gold as a geopolitical tool or weapon. And you have this monetary premium that's in there too, but you know, they have, they can, they can be milking the system while we're going along. But yeah, then Bitcoin comes out, they might get, they might be the ones stuck holding the bags, right? Because if the value Trans, if if going forward it's Bitcoin is the world reserve settlement currency, and we finish the fifth network effects right, six network effects or financialization, backed. Well, Ledger X got approved. Back uh, is is approved in trading. Eris Exchange, 
uh, to trade derivatives on this stuff. You know, seven network affects world reserve settlement currency. So I mean, we've got we've got serious players on all the network effects now. And like, believe, how long is it going to take to to change stuff? The gentleman from Crypto Voices put together their uh, third quarter monetary base uh, review and launched it earlier this week. I believe I believe Bitcoin is the eleventh biggest uh, base money in the world right now. Yeah, give it about eighteen months based on highly correlated, co-integrated data that predicts uh, it's going to hit 100,000 by December 2021, where that invalidates the model, right? Like, I, that's crazy. I mean, now we're, we'd be talking, you know, a top, top five, five yeah. right? <laughs> Could you imagine? Well, oh, my gosh. I, I mean, well, let's, I like to daydream about that, but yeah. Well, let's I jump mean, this. You're alluding to the stock-to-flow model. Yeah, um, plan B stock to flow model. I cause I and I put a tweet out a few days ago, um, where I had a screen capture of a twenty fifteen tweet where I was talking about how you can't price in the happening because of transactional demand and stock to flow. You know, so I mean I've been talking about stock to flow for years. And then Safedine, you know, adds a lot of academic rigor with his book. You know, probably the book I sh- should have wrote but just too lazy to do it you know (laughs) and safety's better at it than me anyways so like i mean it's just a phenomenal book to kind of outline where we came from where we're probably going and why you know so okay we have good intellectual foundation and theory and stuff there we have theory and logic but man you plan b brings the data so we have theory logic and data 99.5% 99.5% correlated and co-integrated. The this Bitcoin price uh, scarcity uh, model for pricing. You're saying you, you saw someone speak who confirmed this data too yesterday, correct? Well, they yeah, I mean they just replicated the they just replicated it. He he, he is a serious econometrician uh, that presented at this macro conference, and he had he had uh, you know replicated the the process that Plan B went through. So Plan B had hasn't fudged his math according to these guys and other people have replicated plan B's math on it too. Um, so the math is good. Now the implications of that are really kind of scary because I mean, but I, is it any scarier than like $10 Bitcoin to $1,300 Bitcoin or from $200 Bitcoin to $20,000 Bitcoin? Nah, not really. I guess like I think it's, it could just really blow people's hair back. Like, I mean, because you're calling the shot in such a precise way, you know? Because, I mean, yeah, I I had stock to flow and this stuff, and, I mean, our previous previous bear, it hit around $200, you know, and then we were at a similar time as now, and it's $600, and I started making the interview circuit saying the next bull... Bitcoin bull run has started. It's going to go to three thousand bucks. And the previous all-time high was thirteen hundred. You know, go read the comments on some of those interviews, like with Jeff Berwick and Future Money Trends, and some of the other shows that I went and did that with. You know, go find them on YouTube. Like, search Trace Mayer three thousand bucks. Go read those comments, and then compare those comments with the comments that people are saying about like Plan B stuff, and you know. 
$100,000 Bitcoin in this fourth Bitcoin bull run. Well, this next one that we're going to have. And yeah, I mean, it's just, I understated it at 3000 bucks. <laughs> and why did I understate it? By 6X, Be- 7X? Yeah. Why did I understate it? I understated it because I didn't bring the type of rigor with the data that plan B has brought. You know, that's, that's why. What would you say to somebody uh, who can make a harder digital currency with a better stock to flow than Bitcoin and this model um, sort of backward looking and not uh, can be applied to, it doesn't work on other quote unquote scarce cryptocurrencies. Well, it doesn't work on the other altcoins. And like, I think, I think that's where myself and Safedine, we're right. You know, my seven network effect thesis, you've got, because Mises, Mises says that you can't know anything new from mathematics. You can only know stuff that you already know. And so my seven network effect thesis, like why people hire Bitcoin, Safedine's book, The Bitcoin Standard, that provides the fundamental analysis. And then we have historical pricing data that's taking into account billions of transactions by millions of individuals. So it's teasing out knowledge from the marketplace, which is what prices do, and helps us understand like very large scale action, patterns of action. Uh, you know, because I do think we can get a lot of value from statistics and statistical probabilities and stuff like that. But I don't think that we can draw the conclusion that really high stock to flow is the causative agent. Like that's not all we're all we're able to see is that the this this stock the stock to flow is showing us there there is a relationship between price and stock to flow. But we don't necessarily know why that is. The the math just shows us that that is the case. And it's not the case with necessarily every other asset. You know, it's not the case with Litecoin. It's not the case with Dogecoin. I saw it yesterday with Stellar. They cut their supply in half. and then... Yeah, I mean, like, you know, so, so it, the stock to flow is not the causative agent necessarily. I mean, I'm not going to rule out that it isn't. But just because there is the math shows us this, it doesn't. It doesn't divine for us what people's subjective value uh, and comparative goods uh, actions are revealing in that price data, right? But I but I do find it so insightful to show us what people in a large amount are are voting with their money. So that's how I kind of find it helpful. No, I agree. I think I think stock to flow works only if the seven network effects effects are in place that you're describing, right? You have to have the network effect around the network to push it into place almost. And well the the seven network effects help us understand why people subjectively value Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh it I I think we have an error in our reasoning that that 
like the stock to flow is what's driving the Bitcoin price or even the seven network effects are what's driving the stock to flow. Mm-hmm. You know, that I, I don't know that we can necessarily make those conclusions, but we can make the conclusion that based on billions of, of price data points coming from millions of people and a lot of human action, this is how people are valuing stuff. You know, it's like when you go to go to value real estate, mm-hmm. you don't know why people paid the price they paid for, for the particular building. But you just know that based on all the comparables, like you can you can hone in on what a value is for a particular piece of real estate. You know, like and, and we and we have real estate like appraisers yeah. and they and they have standards that they follow and <clears throat> and all that stuff. Now, could somebody come in and value things completely differently? Yeah, look at what Mark Zuckerberg did in his little neighborhood, right? Like he bought up all five of the houses or whatever. And and the last one he bought up, he paid like $14 million for like a $700,000 house because the people were holding out. They saw him walking down the street. Oh, yeah, I'm gouging this motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, because of the elasticity of demand. Mm-hmm. And and actually, I like probably don't have time to get into it, but I've been uh, talking with Plan B about how it's impossible to price in the transactional demand component of Bitcoin that is a result of the supply shock from the halvings. And, you know, prices are set at the margins. So when you have that supply shock, it takes a few months for the market to readjust to the new equilibria of transactional supply of Bitcoin. And, And I think that's part of what causes these large, uh, you know, different cycles with Bitcoin. Yeah. And I think Satoshi did it intentionally too. Yeah. You better get some just in case it catches on. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It boy, is it caught? (laughs) It's the dog that caught the car, isn't it? (laughs) So if it is the boy that caught the, it will end it on this. If it is, uh, the dog that caught the car? Yeah, the dog that caught the car. It's yeah. <laughs> like bit onto the bumper and car's going like a million miles an hour now. <laughs> if this is the case, what should we be focused on moving forward? Where are uh, proof of keys, obviously? And- yeah, I mean, I think proof of keys just slices through so much of what people should be concerned about, like a hot knife through butter. You need to develop the human capital to claim your monetary sovereignty. Like, that's it's as simple as that. It's that simple. And, you know, you need to be concerned about return of capital, not necessarily return on capital. <laughs> right. You want to make sure that you got the, the asset. You hold it. It's a bearer asset, right? Yeah. I mean, any assets. You got Dole Food shares, you know, like the Dole Foods case where mm-hmm. we have 36 million authorized and 48 million facially Trading. valid on brokerage statements. Like, you think you own something? Like... You know, this isn't just the gold price suppression scheme and its collapse isn't just a garden rate, exchange rate adjustment. This is the collapse of a worldwide monetary system. And there's going to be a lot up for grabs all at once. And so much of it's going to be what do you actually have possession of? And Bitcoin, it's easy to possess. You know, and you don't have to manage it very much. So... Like, figure out how to do that in a safe, secure way and flex your muscles, 
you know, and, and make sure that you've claimed your monetary sovereignty because the value that's in a, that's in a Chicago apartment might evaporate pretty quick. Salt deduction, huge contingent liabilities and pension liabilities, raising property taxes, driving business out. You know, we're in a time of a lot of change and it's very, very perilous for holders of capital. And so, you know, figuring out how to how to hold your own private keys and claim your own monetary sovereignty and run your own full node. I mean, there might be tungsten in, in your gold bars. You know, China's flooding the market with fake uh, gold and silver. You know, how much does it cost to run a gold full node? Quite Way a bit. more than Bitcoin. Quite a bit. You know, so being able to verify the quantity and the quality of the asset and take possession of it and then, you know... When, when those costs are very low, then the transactional costs of moving around that asset are much lower also. You know, you, you, make it, you make it very difficult to run a gold full node. It makes it so that the transaction costs of gold increase significantly. Yeah, and the tools at which you can make this happen exist today, and they're only getting better by the day. And there's more and more tools being on top, uh, being built on top of this base layer as well. So yeah, and... and you know, gold, gold's a bunch of atoms, but Bitcoin, that's software code, that's software code that is extensible, and you can build on top of it with things like Lightning Network, etc. You know, Open Dimes, how cool are those? Frankly, um, cool. Even things like Kraken, I would argue, is yeah, Kraken, okay. uh, Open Dimes, uh, you know, Lightning Network, Chamian. Uh, type applications mm-hmm. state chains state change uh you know i one one thing i think bitcoin's gonna kind of perhaps have a little bit of competition from will be mimblewimble mm-hmm. you know because mimblewimble is scalable private and increased fungibility uh and and currently it would have to be a hard fork to get it implemented into bitcoin so, you know, that opens up the opportunity for, for a, like a Mimblewimble type solution. Because Bitcoin, we, we're going to have to figure out how to, how to fix the fungibility issue. And, I, and on top of that, like what is enough fungibility? What is there? Absolute fungibility at the base layer. What if you can't uh, audit the supply though? Yeah, that is one of the problems, right? Like yeah. Zcash or whatever. Um, but Mimblewimble, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and, and you also have to make sure it's able to be secure because we don't have a formal proof uh, that we need, so we kind of have to choose between fungibility and limited and amountness uh, in terms of the fundamental proofs. So, you know, but, but Mimblewimble, you know, I think we, there... That 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 could be a potential challenge to Bitcoin, you know, or or things like that. But then we've got Schnorr signatures, Taproot, Graphroot, uh, a lot of you know. Lightning helps with the privacy as well and fungibility. Um, yeah, Lightning. But I mean, look at Litecoin. They they think they they want to implement Mimblewimble, right? But like, it's got to be at the base layer. Like, it's not good if it's optional. Like because. Guess what? New York DFS is going to require like deposits to come in, not 
blinded, right? Zcash has proven this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's going to have to be in the base layer or you're not really going to have it. And even if it's in the base layer, like the exchange might not be able to list it. So then, so then what happens? We'll build atomic swaps into the clients. That way you're running your own full node, hold, holding your own private keys and you're able to do atomic swaps with other cryptocurrencies, you know, which could help cut audit trails on bitcoins or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually very optimistic about the fungibility and privacy issue moving forward. I think uh, Bitcoiners have proven to be very creative and uh, um, resourceful up to this point. And I do think things like PDEP pay to endpoint. I know there's some drawbacks with having to be online, but uh, if you're able to make every coin, excuse me, every transaction, a coin join and stuff like that, I think that will certainly help. It's certainly not perfect or anywhere near perfect right now. Trace, it's been uh, an immense pleasure. It's been a long time coming. I really appreciate You've taken an hour and 15 out of your day to sit down. Uh, I think the freaks are going to love this one. Yeah. Well, glad to be here. Glad to do it. It's been a lot of fun. Where, uh, where can we, f- where do you want to point us after this? Uh, yeah, episode? there's uh there's Bitcoin knowledge podcast. So www.bitcoin.kn and on Twitter, trace Mayer. uh, kind of have fun there occasionally. Hey, I enjoy watching you have fun there. occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's all we got for this week. Freaks. Peace and love.